Merry Christmas again. I love getting to be a part of Christmas Eve and get to meet so many of you who are um, visiting and in town and extended family. Are there any college students here tonight? Well, shout out to college students. Welcome home. Welcome home. When I graduated from college, I had no idea that I was going to become a pastor. Uh, My first job out of college was actually as an innkeeper. And uh, I was, uh, I'd graduated, I was seriously dating Larry, and he was still in college, so I was just looking for one of those, like, in-between kind of jobs. I'd graduated with a degree in Spanish and religion, so it was really obvious that I'd become an innkeeper, right? (laughs) There was actually a connection. The connection was that my parents and I had dreamed about having a bed and breakfast together on a lake when they retired, and so we thought, perfect opportunity to get, uh, get my hands dirty as an innkeeper and see if I had the chops for it. And I thought it would be a lot of fun. Well, it turns out that being an innkeeper is a lot of work. And by the time I left, I had a terrible routine. I woke up at 5 a.m. and I took care of the plants and then I made breakfast and then I served breakfast, and then I got the guests out the door, and then I started doing my stairs routine because the mansion was four stories, and most of the rooms that I cleaned were at the top, and then the laundry was at the bottom. So I would just go up and down and up and down the stairs all day long until I was making really fancy hors d'oeuvres to put before the guests when they came back, nice and pretty now. And then I would just go home and crash. So any guesses how long you think my innkeeping career lasted? have a little bit more faith. <laughs> nine months. I made it nine months as an innkeeper. Our, um, so I was really feeling for uh, our story today. Our story today, the Christmas story, we're going to hone in on the innkeeper. Now, we don't know a lot about the innkeeper. In fact, we're even assuming that there was an innkeeper in the story from what we've learned. Um, We don't know what their name was, probably not Fred, and uh, we do only really know one thing about the innkeeper, and that's that they didn't have a lot of room for God. They were really busy, and their lives were really full, and we know for sure that God wanted this innkeeper to be a part of his story. And so I'm really excited to be in the Word of God with you tonight and to see how when we give just a little bit of space to Jesus, he will move in and he'll make his home with us. So we're reading tonight from Luke chapter 2. I love uh, the Gospel of Luke because Luke says, and when he opens his Gospel, that he is very concerned that we would know for sure that everything that we've heard about Jesus is true. And so he opens in Luke chapter 2 by setting the birth of Jesus in a real place, in a real time, letting us know who the governor was and what city they were in. So read with me, hear with me, through Luke chapter 2 as we hear about the birth of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. 
And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we open this book in it and know that we can hear from you. And so would you speak to us tonight about who you are and how you want to be among us. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to take you to the town of Bethlehem, and I want you to see this historical place where Jesus was born. And as you see it, I want you to see how God also wants to come and to live with us now in our homes and in our busy lives. So in um, the first, the turn of the very first century in Bethlehem, it was a really, really busy place. They were having a government-enforced family reunion. Does that sound like fun or what? We have really great archaeology and sociology to pull from to understand what was going on in the town at the time. And what we know is that Bethlehem was packed not only with Joseph and Mary, but all the relatives who had to come to Bethlehem who were originally from there. And Middle Eastern culture would not allow you to leave anyone, even a stranger, out in the cold. So you were definitely going to take in Cousin Joe and his expecting wife Mary. You were not going to leave them outside. So stick with me because I I'm going to tear down some of the things that we've always thought about Christmas and that make it into the rhymes, but it's okay. All right. You can trust me. So the homes in the Syrian, in the Syrian Bethlehem, these villages were two story homes and the upstairs was where everybody slept. And then the downstairs was used during the day as a living room. And then at night, the animals would come in. So it was a warm place, but it was a dirty place. And verse 7 says um, in Luke chapter 2 that there was no room for Mary and Joseph in the inn. In the inn. That's an, an English word that we've given to try to understand what's going on. But a better translation for the inn for us Americans today is the word guest room. There was no room for Mary and Joseph in the guest room. So when everybody piled into Bethlehem and all the family came in town, all the good places in the clean rooms were taken, and Mary and Joseph needed to stay downstairs where the animals were. Now, on the, in downstairs in the dirt floor, there was a manger that would have been sunken into the middle of the floor that was the feeding trough for the animals. And there was hay in it. So I'm not totally ruining all of your images. Sweet infant baby Jesus really was placed in a manger on hay surrounded by animals. And this is where uh, Jesus came to be. It would be like if you were in Gig Harbor today, putting um, Mary and Joseph on an air mattress in the smelly basement. Can I get a hand raised for who is having to sleep on an air mattress this Christmas? Anybody having to sleep on an air mattress? Wow. Okay. Oh, God. We got one or two hands. Okay. Are there any kids who had to give up your bed for somebody who's coming to stay in town? Did anybody have to give up their bed? My brother, my older brother, he was always the one who had to give up his bed, which I never felt bad about because he had the big room. You know what I mean? So he got kicked out when he was a kid and, um, and had to sleep usually on a mattress in our room. I love this. Okay. This is, this is, like, this is good for the younger sister here. My brother is 36 years old, and he and his wife, they still drew the short straw. And this year, on Christmas night, Larry and I are going to get the good room, and they're on the air mattress in the basement. How about that? Not quite the basement, first floor. 
don't feel bad for them. They're only coming for a couple of nights, okay? So this is the kind of, um, that's the kind of situation that Mary and Joseph had. They were like given the air mattress in the smelly basement. And they took it. And this is where I started to really understand something different of God as I studied. Our God is the God who would choose to come and sleep in the dirt, in the busy house. When God wanted to come to earth, he could have come anywhere. He could have come to a palace that was um, beautifully furnished where he would have had his own room. And instead, God chose to come. He chose to come to a really small town where all of his family would all be packed in, where he'd be totally surrounded, and where he'd sleep in the dirt on the bottom floor of a house surrounded by animals. This is the humility of our God who, given any room, will come in and make his home with us. Today, whatever your circumstances are, whatever you think might disqualify you from drawing near to God, from having God draw near to you, the story of the innkeeper reminds us that there is no place that God would rather be than in your busy, packed-out family. In whatever dirty or smelly or dark place you're willing to give him. Jesus will take any room that you offer And he will move in and he will make his home with you. This is my personal story of faith. I um, have known Jesus my whole life. I would have been one of those kids making sure that Pastor Mark got all the stories right. But over time, over the course of my life, God moved in a little bit at a time into different smelly, stinky, dark places in me. Back in those, um, back in my nine months as an innkeeper, I didn't have a good attitude about my work. And I had a really great mentor then. Uh, Her name's Kelsey Burke. Some of you guys know her. She's going to come again and teach the women's retreat in April. She was um, really close to me, and she didn't let me get away with my bad attitude. She told me that I wasn't allowed to quit until I could learn to make a bed to the glory of God. And I did not understand what she meant. And so I actually prayed about it, and I asked the Lord to change my attitude, because I, I was ugly about it. And I, the Lord sent to me a coworker. Her name was Joy, and she and I would clean rooms together. And Joy lived into her name. She actually was joyful cleaning rooms. And it gave me this glimpse of what it could look like if I loved Jesus and cleaned other people's rooms in a way that would give God glory. I did not learn that before I quit. And I feel okay about that. But over time, the Lord kept bringing that back to me. And what he did is I offered to him this heart that was full of entitlement and grumbling. He transformed that heart of mine to be one that would know what it is to serve for the sake of loving people and for the sake of giving God glory. Another um, space that Jesus loves to move in and transform is a tender one. I found that Jesus really loves to, to move into places of pain. And I've, I've only come recently to appreciate that Christmas can um, exacerbate pain and joy in equal measure. 
And I just, some of you might be those people here tonight that Christmas is a season of increased pain. And I just want to say thank you for coming and thank you for risking being in community at Christmas time. I know what it's like to um, have deep pain. Larry and I spent uh, seven years in the pain of infertility. And it was, it was a dark place and it was a hurting place. And it's not a place you invite company into, okay? You don't invite guests in to see your pain. But when I gave it to the Lord, and what that looked like was a lot of crying out to God, a lot of expressing to God in words and in journaling my anger and my sense of injustice and, um, and my hurt and my pain. What happened is when I released those words to God, it freed up space in my soul for God to move in and take residence in the midst of my pain. And he did transform it eventually. It took a long time to get to that place where that pain could be a source of comfort to others. But in the midst of the pain, what Jesus did was he made his home with me. He taught me so much in that season about who he is as father and who I am as daughter and completely transformed that space. And that's what Jesus wants to do with each one of us. By coming in and making his home with us. He takes a place like the manger scene, the dirt floor and the animals, and he transforms it. We're not ashamed of that first floor basement anymore, are we? Many of us have nativity scenes in our homes. The Lord has totally taken what was dirt and he's made it holy and sacred. And that's what God does in our lives when we invite him into the smelly, dark corners of our life. He transforms them and makes them a space for him to dwell in. And so I wonder tonight if there is a space that you would be willing to set before the Lord and to say, you can move in here. Maybe um, some of my story has resonated with you and there's either a place of pain or there's a place where you've got a bad attitude where you could open that up to the Lord. And I would just commend to you the same work that the Lord did in me to find the words to express that. You can, we're going to turn all the lights off here in a minute. You could turn that into a time of prayer and, ex, and just begin to open to the Lord that you're willing to let him change that, that you'd like God to change that place. I want to give you two other um, really tangible ways that you might make a little space for God to move in. You've got 168 hours in a week, if I did my math right. I don't have Ellis here to check me. You could give one of those hours in a week to invite the Lord to speak to you. We're really intentional here on the weekends about creating a space for us to encounter God's presence as a community. And if it's not already your regular practice, I would invite you to give one hour of your week here or in another church and expect God to move in and ask him what it looks like for him to live with you. Hear his words, sing his praise, see what those words do when they move into your heart. A second invitation is to give God one meal this January, just one. We are creating a space for conversation about God here. Um, On January 10th will be our first Wednesday night of meals and conversations. And the intention would be that you come around a small table 
and you get to express anything you want, any questions you have about God, the Bible, and the world, and together you'll figure out over a series of dinners exactly where you want to land on that. We're not going to preach to you. We're not going to tell you that you're wrong. We're not going to um, answer every question. We're going to help you find the answers to your questions. And we call that alpha. Alpha in Greek just means beginning. It's the beginning of a chance to start a conversation with Jesus. And I'm only asking you to come to one. You can come to any of the first three and say you don't want to come back. But I hope you will want to come back and start a conversation with Jesus. Start finding words for how to talk to God. God so wants to make his home with you. And the Christmas story shows us that, that in the fullness of time, God, who was feeling the distance from his people, who wanted to be nearer to his people, found a way to come to earth, to come not to a high and lofty place, but to a place full of family. He took the dirtiest room in the place and he moved in and he made his home with us. And when Jesus grew up, he says in John chapter 14, he would tell his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has made a way for us to know that identity as son and daughter of a father who loves us. And Jesus says in verse 23, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him. And we will come to him, and we will make our home with him. Jesus has set forth a promise to you that the Father will love you, and the Father will make his home with you. And I ask you, please, please, don't let another day go by without Jesus in your home and in your life and your family. Offer him the darkest, smelliest, ugliest place, and he will move right in with you because our Father so longs to be with you. He wants you in his Christmas story. I'm going gonna, um, gonna to pray for us, and I, wa- I want this prayer to be an invitation to start your conversation with God. And so I hope that you hear as I pray, there aren't fancy words. You don't have to get in a certain posture. Our God is here with us and he hears us and he just wants to hear from us. So would you pray with me? Our Father, we're your family. Thank you for calling us your son and your daughter. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room who doesn't already know you as a loving father. Jesus, would you make very clear the image of you coming and taking the lowliest place, the dirtiest place, the smelliest place, because of your fierce desire to be with your people. God, would you surprise people by showing them who you really are, a loving God who would give it all up to be with us. Jesus, would you be invited into our lives and into the space of our lives? Would you come and make your home with us? In Jesus' name, amen.